Well, hallelujah. Shout if you love Jesus, somebody. Me too. Let's welcome our online audience. We're always glad that people are tuning in from everywhere across this beautiful earth, even states away. Well, hey, we wanted to start by just both of us addressing you just for a few moments, and we have so much to be excited about and so many wonderful things that God is doing. If you were here last Sunday, we had uh, friends of ours, Bruce and Ruthie Langeman, speaking, and, and it was about, you know, looking at the sphere of home, and we, we sort of zoned in on marriage, but looking at marriage and family as the first place where we impact, you know, people's lives for the gospel, right, starting with our spouses and our family. It was, a, it was a good Sunday, and, um, you know, listen, it went long, and it was the longest service I attended at Grace Church. I don't know about you. You know, some of y'all that go back a ways, maybe you had longer services, and then there was a time in there we dismissed the, kid, uh, the, the parents to get their kids, and, um, but what we felt was that, you know, when Bruce said, you know, some of you come to pray over Vernon Alicia, you know, during this transition as well. I would say like half the church like came front and it was beautiful to hand, see. It was beautiful and hands were going up everywhere to like pray for us and those of you that did get an opportunity to pray for us was just so amazing and just so powerful. And because we were like an hour and a half going on two hour service, we were like, let's wrap this up. I don't know who's angry with us by now. <laughs> no, I'm teasing a little, but then it just was like a quick sort of end. And what we didn't want to leave unsaid was how much we appreciate you guys back, how much we love you back. And those of you that did send us notes, emails, you know, texts, and then sent us some things in the mail, we love you guys so much. And the love that we saw, we just wanted to acknowledge that and say we love you guys back incredibly, and we, we feel so called here and so blessed by what God is doing. And yeah, it is such an honor to be pastors here at Grace Church. We love you all. It is beautiful to see the Grace Church family and how you were loving on us. And yeah, we just wanted to make sure that you know we love you all too. And we really are delighted to be here and just, yeah. just honored to answer the call from God to come here to the Brooks County region and be your pastor. So yeah, yeah. amen. Love you guys. Amen. Good for now. I'll, I'll have her back. <clears throat> Lisa's going to help me wrap up the message at the end, and so I'm going to have her wade into some deeper waters here at Grace Church. Amen, somebody? <laughs> well, thanks so much. Well, hey, let's pray for a moment, and then I want to preach to y'all. So let's pause and say, Jesus, thank you so much for being here with us, for speaking to us, unpacking your word. Help me to share heart. But Lord, I pray that people would hear you. People would hear your voice through your scripture, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that today would be taught by you. And all God's people say, Amen. Hallelujah. We're in this series called 116 Hours of Awake Time, as you saw it described. And then we're looking at spheres of influence. And so starting with, you know, our, our house and our home, and then every week we're going to branch out a little bit. And it's like from here to everywhere, right? We're called to impact um, this, this world, basically, with, with the kingdom of God. But we all have our spheres of influence. We all have circles, right? We're... Not, not, all, not all of us are called everywhere, but we're all called somewhere. So it starts here, and then broader circles as we go out, and we'll look at that. Um, so I'm going to call this message um, uh, Spaces, Places, and Resources. Kind of rhymes a little. I didn't even try that. Our spaces and our places and resources become, listen, tools of evangelism. 
if we're looking at it correctly, and I believe if we're looking at our stuff through the heart of the Father, he gives us places and beautiful spaces, and he gives us resources to be used for kingdom-building purposes. And if we don't look at, our, at these things through the eyes of evangelism, then I think that's when we get a little off, perhaps, and, you know, uh, some strange things like prosperity gospel moments, you know, try to set in, and then things like that, or we just view our stuff as idols, perhaps, and I think God wants to give us an amazing life here on this planet, but he also looks at us and says, you're called to use your stuff, your places, your spaces, and all the finances that I've been giving you in some way uh, to build the kingdom. The word evangelism, by the way, um, it's, it's, it refers to the preaching of the gospel. It comes from the same Greek word that we use for gospel. It's E-U-A-N-G-E-L-I-O-N, euangelion, something like that. I'm not a Greek scholar necessarily, but the word literally means gospeling. Somebody say gospeling. So when they were sharing the gospel in the New Testament, they would say those people are gospeling, <laughs> is what they would say, meaning they were sharing the good news wherever they went, whether it was in their homes in public spaces and in the town squares, they were just gospeling everywhere they went. Come on, Grace Church is a gospeling church. It doesn't just happen on a Sunday morning. It happens when you leave this place as well. It happens in the parks and the grocery stores and the banks, and it happens when you're at home with your kids. Come on, somebody. You're in a gospeling mindset because that's who God has made you to be. Now, I know you need a family vacation, and I know you need to watch your favorite TV show, so please don't jump off the deep end and, and act like the pastor's saying you're not allowed to have some personal time. I want you to enjoy your life. Is that okay? Just in case anybody just went extreme right there. But, but you're allowed to do that. But at the same time, there's a call upon your life whether you're at church or not. And, and it's to gospel this community. When Alicia and I decided to buy a house in Lebanon many years ago, was it 06 perhaps? <laughs> if I remember, we, did, we were looking at a house for our family. We wanted a bigger house. So we were, we, she was pregnant with our fourth kid, if I remember. <laughs> now our kid is here and she's way older than a baby. She's 16 years old now. That's how long ago it was. But we looked at a house that was good for a family, obviously had to be affordable, but we asked a few questions about the space. We said, can this be used for more than just raising kids? Can this be used for more than just a great place to sleep and it has a great kitchen? Can it be used for gospeling? We didn't use that term back then. But can it be used to host and can it be used for small groups and can it be used to have uh, you know, friends over and maybe our family, our extended family sometimes? And, and God blessed us with a property that could be used for all those. You know, uh, and, and we, we had to work on it over the years because we needed a new deck. And, you know, eventually we started in, improving the property. And as time went on, we used it for more and more and more hospitality, right? And so looking back, looking back, God gave us the perfect property. And he's going to give us the same perfect property here in Berks County. Hallelujah. <laughs> Prophesy while I'm at it. Because it's not just about us. God gave us a property that wasn't just about us. It was about the community. I'll return to that story. I want to read you a few stories from Scripture to start out. I want to, and as I read these stories, I want you to look at how Jesus functioned and also how the New Testament church functioned in the book of Acts. Um, or this is Mark, rather, sorry, in the book of Mark. But listen to these stories in regards to 
Spaces and places and resources, okay? Raise your hand if you have spaces and places and resources. One or two of you? Good, okay. The rest, I'll pray for the rest of y'all. You're like, I don't want to volunteer for anything. I'm not going to put my hand up. <laughs> Let's start with Mark chapter 1 and 22. And um, it's Jesus with his disciples. And they went into to, to Capernaum. And immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and he was teaching. The synagogue, let's pause there real quick, was a Jewish temple. These temple, synagogue kind of thing. And there's more studies to be done. It's quite a large building with columns and come on, look like a Roman Colosseum. No, not quite that big probably. But it was a big building. Um, maybe as big as this, probably smaller because they were smaller towns. But they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him, crying out with a loud voice, came out of the man. They were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him, and at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. I want to pause right there, because sometimes we read Scripture too fast. This building, this space and place, wasn't built to cast out demons. <laughs> Come on, somebody. They did not build it for Jesus. They built it as a Jewish temple for Jewish rituals. And Jesus was like, here's a place in space. I'll show you what it should be used for. I'll return to that. And immediately he left the synagogue. Now he left the temple. And he went to Simon Peter's house, one of his disciples. House of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law. Now he's in a house. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And Jesus came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And the fever left her and she began to serve them. She's like, all right, I'm done with this. I'm going to get up and get these guys some food. I just embellished the scripture a little bit. Is that okay? It was probably Mexican food. I just don't know why, but I suddenly just pictured um, Mexican food when I read that. Is that okay too? Y'all ought to picture whatever kind of food you want, because we don't really know what she gave them. That evening, <laughs> that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by the demons. And the whole city was gathered at the door, wait, of the house. Must have been a massive house, or it was a, a massive door, or it was a very, very, very small town. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there. Now the whole town is gathered at the door of the house. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases, and he cast out many demons there too. He would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed, because Jesus wanted some time alone to pray. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, Everyone's looking for you, Jesus. And he said to them, Let's go on to the next towns and that I'm going to preach there also, um, for that is why we came out. And he went throughout all of Galilee, somebody say all Galilee, preaching in their temples and synagogues and casting out demons, places and spaces and resources. Look at what he did in those places. 
And I can guarantee you that when they put brick and mortar together, they weren't thinking about all that Jesus would use these places for. Let's go to Acts 2, 42 and 47. And they devoted themselves. This is the new church now. Jesus had ascended back into heaven to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit fell upon them. There's a whole new church being birthed. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. And, and awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and, and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Somebody say all. As any had need. The other, there's another scripture that says they brought some things to the apostles and the apostles distributed to all as well. And so both of that was going on. And day by day, listen, attending the temple together. Now it's just temple, not synagogue. Same thing though. They were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. Somebody say homes. I'm going to have you repeat after me just so you get it. They received their food with gladness, with glad and generous hearts, and praising God and having favor with all the people. And guess what happened? The Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Can I get a good amen? amen. That's fun times, isn't it? But I want to talk about places and spaces and resources because something happened in Jesus' time and something happened in the new church that I just want us to revisit sometime. Now, before I get a little deeper and talk about all our stuff and especially talk about finances and it can get a little tricky, um, but I want to pause right here and say thank you, a huge, huge thank you to all of you that have given of your time your energy, but also your finances, and have opened up your homes. We'll talk a little bit more about groups at the end with Pastor Alicia. But I just want to say thank you. It's because of you that we're gathered here today. Some of you have carried this place. Amen. <laughs> Clap for y'all. <laughs> some of you have carried this place for 40 years. And there's some of you that have been here for 30 years and 20 years and have, were here when this building was, was, was birthed. And you're opening your homes, and, and you're giving financially to the ministry. I just want to pause right there and say thank you. Amen. You understand uh, New Kingdom concepts, and you truly are amazing. Amen. What I don't want and what I do not believe in, I just want to be clear. I do not believe in an 80-20 church. What's an 80-20 church? You can read books about it if you want, or just Google it. 80-20 churches are very common in America. It's where 20% uh, of the people pay for the building, 20% of the people serve, and 80% of the people come to enjoy it. And that's actually very common all across America. Other countries, not so much, but it's the American culture that, that's really, really prominent. You can actually read articles about it. I personally don't think that represents the New Testament church. And it actually doesn't represent God's heart. When 20% of the people catch it and they create amazing places and spaces and then 80% of the people go, I'll enjoy that. You know, sometimes when I log on to YouTube and I don't have to pay for it, I just paid for the TV and I pay for my Wi-Fi, but I don't have to pay to watch a church service from the other side of the world or from California or from Florida. I don't have to pay for that, you know, but I, I, now because of the position that I'm in, when, I, when I'm watching something on YouTube, like an amazing worship service or somebody preaching, there's a lot of people that paid for that to happen. Does that make sense? And I have a gratefulness in my heart because sometimes there's, you know, a lot of money went into 
into them putting all of that together. But uh, anyway, I'm going to move on. But um, I don't think that God is, God is happy with the American consumer mentalities that do exist where the, few, the, the many entitled people come to enjoy something but never feel like responsible to make it happen. They just feel like, you know, we should just be thankful that they came out. Well, I am thankful that everyone came out. I'm also thankful that all the people watch online. But I'm talking about God's heart. Is that okay? God's heart is saying everybody has a place and everybody has a part to play. Y'all okay with that? Got pretty quiet in here. There's no, I'm just going to chase the weird uncles out of the room. (laughs) Y'all heard my previous message, if you weren't here, the weird uncle is the one who shows up to every extended family gathering, doesn't doesn't even bring a bag of chips, pretends he can't make food, and, and pretends he can't wash a dish afterwards. But he loves enjoying all the food, and matter of fact, he'll go back for three helpings, and he always has room for dessert. But he can never bake a thing, make a thing, and he certainly can't help clean up. That's the weird uncle. And y'all are not that. This is not what we're called to be. Is that okay, somebody? (laughs) Can we wrestle with a few kingdom thoughts today? Let's just wrestle with a few kingdom thoughts. And I hope you hear my heart because I am so delighted at what God is doing here. But he's preparing us for something even greater. Amen? Let's wrestle with just a few kingdom thoughts from these scriptures, but, you know, it might feel like a a little random, but here's some things that God's been downloading. Number one, their spaces became places of evangelism, of gospeling, and our homes and our buildings and our places and our spaces should be viewed as tools to build kingdom community. There's actually no other reason to build a space except your home should be used for raising a wonderful family. We all need shelter from the rain. I understand all that. But God is saying, look a little higher and look a little broader. When is the last time you looked at your home and the house that you live in as a place to also impact other people's lives for the kingdom? And I know some of you all might live in apartments and some of you are like, I don't even have any room for someone else to park. And that's okay. Have you used your place to pray for others? That is still okay, that you're using your place for more than just yourself. Does that make sense? If God has blessed you, how can you use your place and your space for kingdom opportunity? Um, some of you had telephones, and you sit on your, in your living room. If you're the only one that fits in your living room, you can call somebody with your cell phone and text them in an encouraging word. You just used your place and your space and your resources to build the kingdom because somebody needed that word today before they commit suicide. You got to learn that the things that you've been given, I am learning that all the things that I've been given are, are God-ordained and can be used for God purposes as well as, as well as my own purposes. Amen, somebody? When is the last time, now I'm going to dive a little deeper, when's the last time we saw this church building properly as a tool of evangelism? Do we see this church as a place of gospeling, a place of radical ministry as Jesus demonstrated. Now, in Hebrews 10, 25, there's a verse that we come back to sometimes that says, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And a lot of pastors like to use that verse, you know, to reprimand people for not being at church often enough. (laughs) 
But if you look at the New Testament, they were meeting all different places. They were meeting in the temple, but it wasn't like the temple was, was available to them 24-7, but they also met in people's homes. You know, and, and the, the bottom line to that verse is to say, you should be meeting with other people. Now, in this culture, and as, as culture progresses, we also view online audience as meeting with us. And a lot of you do Zoom calls anyway, right? And that's still meeting with people, and it's still gospeling. And so, those of you that are watching online right now, all 49 families, however many are there right now, you know, I'm not trying to make you feel bad because you're not in the building. We're meeting together. But the Bible says don't forsake that. Um, so we recognize that the new town square, as, as it is back in the day, you know, Jesus met the woman at the well. Well, y'all don't go down to the town square to draw water. At least I, I don't think that you do, right? And maybe some countries still do that, but we don't typically have to do that here. And then, so the new town square is places like this now. Places like your house and places like this where we meet others for specific purposes and get to know people. Um, can we give, build, and sow into a space that's used for evangelism and family connection and the hospital healing atmosphere that we talked about in the previous services, a place for deliverance, a place where we build an army, you know, that's, that's set to evangelize together and equipped, equipping the saints for the place of ministry. And I visited, listen, I visited a mega church um, years ago, years ago, um, I might have been in my 20s. It was in Jacksonville, Florida with a friend. And I said, I want to go to this massive mega church because they have this massive billboard out along the highway. And I said, that looks like a really fun church to visit. And so they were having some special evangelistic services. And <clears throat> me, me and my, my friend looked at me a little weird. Um, I said, you've never been there. It's like right down the road. He's like, no, never been there. You know, and I said, well, I want to go. He's like, okay, I'll go with you. And so we walk into this mega church. It, probably, it looks like it seats 5,000 in one service. I don't, I don't know. I didn't count the seats. But when we got in there, um, just to the lobby, we didn't get much past the door. This is what the usher did to me. You know, he said, spit out your gum, sir. That was the greeting that we got in this mega church. <laughs> No, there was no like, I'm glad that you're here. Who are you guys? Where are you from? They're like, I'm from Pennsylvania. There was none of that. Spit out your gum, sir. And suddenly there was a vibe. And I didn't, I don't know. I didn't worship. They had amazing worship, just off the wall uh, noise and rocking the house. But I was over it. I was like, yeah, I'm not feeling it. Uh, I just, I just couldn't. And, and you know, I can I can spit out my gum. That's not a problem. I want to honor the house. Does that make sense? But I don't think the next generation, listen, I don't think the next generation is totally against church buildings, although I hear some vibes and a lot of people that are like, seriously, churches need our money. Um, yeah, the building wasn't free, y'all. Um, and so there's a duh factor to that. But here's the, you know, large or small spaces that are used for kingdom purposes. But what I do think is the next generation is against our shrines, our country clubs. Come on, somebody. And I think the next generation doesn't like the holy monuments for self-glorification and the holy sanctuaries that do not feel welcoming or they're not community centers that are being utilized well for kingdom building. And there's a whole generation, old and young now, that are going, we don't actually need more monuments. What we need is community centers that it's okay to cast out demons here. That it's okay to use this for 
Everything that Jesus used places and spaces for and everything that the new church used places and spaces for, not holy monuments where you're afraid to breathe and afraid to dance and afraid to chew gum. We have to get over ourselves a little bit. Is that okay? Y'all can chew gum here if you want. Just don't put it on the seat, please, when you're done with it. How big is too big? How much is too much to spend? I don't actually know that answer. Um, maybe, maybe I'll have an answer to that at some point. I don't know for sure, but it's relative to how many people we believe we're called to reach. It's getting real quiet in here, even more quiet than before. I believe that God can provide enough dough, <laughs> places, spaces, and money for helping people with real needs and helping us have amazing places and spaces for those people that we are reaching. Is that okay for now? We can talk more about it later. I'll let you alone with those thoughts. Number two, places and spaces should reflect the nature of who we worship. Somebody say who. The person that we worship, the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are places and spaces that God has given us stewardship over should also then begin to reflect who it is that we're worshiping in those spaces. That makes sense. Psalm 24 says, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And another translation says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And I'm like, everything in it? Everything? Really? Everything. The world and those who dwell therein, certainly people, but then it's everything starts to reflect his nature. And we pray in Matthew 6.10, your kingdom would come, Lord Jesus, and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Man, have you ever stopped to think about if his kingdom really is on earth as it is in heaven, does it look like it should look like? You know, would it, do we reflect the God that we worship where we live and work and breathe. Is that okay? Yeah, uh, there's a flippancy toward church spaces sometimes or it's an, an indifference or uh, if the shoe fits wearing and if it doesn't, I already thanked you for giving, so. Um, <laughs> or people are just simply opposed to spending money so that this space that we worship in or wherever um, could also declare God's glory and God's nature, Right? Excellence honors God and inspires people. And when we do that well, then people start to also take notice. And so back to the house that God gave us back in 2006, which we've been working on since then, you know, we had, we had a major overhaul. We bought the house from the bank and it was a bank owned and it was vacant for maybe almost a year before we bought it. And we just looked at it. We saw cosmetic overhauls. We just needed everywhere. And then the second year that we owned it, we redid all the landscaping. You know, there was trees with roots that were, that were out of the ground and couldn't even mow the grass. And we actually hauled in dirt from a landscaper that I knew, and we just planted new grass, and we planted all new shrubs around the house. We dug everything out and started over. And people would stop along the road in our neighborhood and say, thank you. I'm like, thank you. You know, I've, I've got sweat pouring down. You know, I'm just out there like planting grass and shrubs and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, thank you. You've, you've done something to this neighborhood that we've been praying for for a long time. Another person said, we've been waiting for somebody to take this place and make it like it's supposed to make it look like it's supposed to look. Our neighbors came over next door, and that's when we finally got to meet them. They said, they said we didn't know if this place would ever get turned around because the people that lived there before just didn't take care of the place. And we came, and we're like, this place could be beautiful. Thanks to Alicia, she convinced me to buy the place because she could see what it could become long before it became. 
right? She had a prophetic vision for this house, and I'm like, I don't see it. I don't see, I don't see it. Help me, Lord Jesus. I, don't, I can't believe we're doing this. Lisa's like, this, is, this place is going to be beautiful. It's going to be a message to our community that the, of the one that we worship. Come on, somebody. The things that you have in, that you've been given also start to reflect God's glory in nature and how much our homes and then also our buildings. <clears throat> After 18 years of services in this building, I think I got that right. I think it's built in 05. And ministries of all kinds, um, you know, not just Sunday mornings, but it's been used for groups and weddings and all kinds of things. This, this building and infrastructure is getting a little old in some places. We need, we need repairs. And so it's on my mind coming in as, as the new pastor, like, hmm, do we have the right mindset for this as a congregation? And I think, I think that we do, but we're going to need some upgrades to keep this place reflecting God's nature. Is that okay to say? In order to send the right message to those looking to connect with us, can we keep this place looking vibrant? What are y'all talking about? Well, the, when the last big rain we had, there's water running into the gym, and so we had a roofer out this week. I just want to update you on some things. Is that okay? We had a roofer out, tore, tore apart some of the roof over the gym, <laughs> and, uh, and patched this massive square. Thankfully, he found where it was leaking. And um, we need massive amounts of infrastructure in this building upgraded at some point. You, there was glitches this morning, and we have actually uh, trouble with our bandwidth because we want to live stream out to the people watching us that can't make it here on a Sunday or the living afar. But, but we need the right amount of bandwidth, internet, high-speed bandwidth, right? And so there's infrastructure with our AVL, audio, video, lighting, and it includes live streaming. And so we need some major upgrade. We have to get, we're going to have to buy some parts on Monday morning, uh, me and Nate and Mike are probably going to be looking at what parts we need. Because on Friday night when we're here worshiping, most of the lights in here wouldn't turn on. And it suddenly broke and suddenly glitched. And so it's something with the board in the back room there. And I'm telling you way too much. Y'all are like, I don't care. <laughs> I can just see your faces like, seriously, Pastor? What we actually really need uh, to grow this family of believers is a bigger parking lot. And I've been praying into that already. And I'm inviting some of you to pray into that. We need strategy and wisdom. And, you know, long before we could go to two services and welcome more people in, and we're thankful. We see new faces all the time around here. People love to hang out with you. You're so welcoming. You just keep inviting people, and we'll take care of the rest, all right? <laughs> we'll find a place for them. There's still some seats available. But listen, what we need is a bigger parking lot. And we're going to have to get real creative because what happens first on this property is the parking lot fills up. Long before all the seats are full, the parking lot's way full. And so we need overflow spaces and we might work with the person next door. And again, I'm just going on and on too much. But what I'm saying in, in and of it is that do we have the right mentality going into the next year where we're like, it's okay to use this building properly for gospeling, and it's okay to sow into it because things need to get upgraded and it needs to continue reflecting the nature of the one we worship. Is that okay for now? Number three, passivity, fear, and apathy are enemies to evangelism. Passivity, fear, and apathy are the biggest enemies to gospeling. Passivity, man, I, you know, there, there's something in Ephesians 6.19 um, where Paul said, he was actually in jail, and he said to his fellow believers, pray that I have boldness to preach the gospel. 
Even in jail, he didn't become passive. He didn't give up. He didn't sit on his thumbs. <laughs> he's just like, no, come on, pray for me. I have more work to do. While he's in chains, come on, somebody. And, and I sometimes I look at the boldness of, of the folks in, in, that we read about in Scripture, and I go, okay, Lord, I'm way too passive. Make me more bold in Jesus' name. Y'all there with me in that? Boldness, passivity, uh, passivity, fear, and apathy. So boldness is the opposite of passivity. Fear, 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God, for God gave us a spirit, but it's not a fear. God gave us a spirit, not a fear, but a power and love and self-control. And fear, fear sends you in the place of what if. What if. And when you do the what ifs, not many of us are thinking positive. What if we give a little bit of money to this person in need and God gives me an extra hundred to pay my bills? Not, we don't typically think that. We always think, like, what if I give this money and then I won't have enough to pay my rent? Or what if I won't have enough to fix my car? The what ifs are typically fear-based. Come on, somebody. Dreaming with God takes a different what if mentality. What if I sow into places and spaces and upgrade my house and also join with these wonderful believers in upgrading the church building so that it reflects the one that we worship? And what if God sees a way to still provide for me and giving me increase in a, in a thousand ways? I'm not a prosperity gospel preacher. Like if you give me a thousand, God's going to give you 10,000. I can't promise that. But God can promise to take care of you well because we are called to be those people that, that receive finances and flow through us in, in the realm of gospeling. Is that okay so far? Apathy, what is apathy? Is a lack of feeling. If the shoe fits, wear it. If it doesn't, shake it off. I'm not declaring this over you. Apathy is a lack of feeling, emotion, interest, or concern about something. It's a state of indifference. It's the suppression of emotions, such as concern, excitement, motivation, or passion. The word to the spiritually apathetic Ephesian church was, consider how far you've fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. That's from Revelation 2.4. So the spiritually apathetic person needs to remember, repent, means to change your mind, and then to renew our excitement about a thing if we believe we're supposed to be excited about it. You tell your emotions where to go. Come on, you tell your mind the right way to think and the emotions follow. Is that, is that opposite of culture or what? No, how I feel is how it really is. It's, it's, that's, that's never, ever actually true. It might be, but it's never actually what comes first. Truth comes first, and emotions are supposed to line up with truth. It's not because I feel this way, it's obviously true. Okay, okay. Number four. Y'all still okay? I want to come out there and check all your pulse. Make sure, you're, make sure you still uh, feel loved. Number four, hospitality, giving, and caring are keys to gospeling, to evangelism. Hospitality, giving, and caring are the three main keys, one of the three main keys to evangelism, right? Let's talk about hospitality. First Peter 4, 9, show hospitality to one another without grumbling. And I get into these places where I'm like, let's have someone over. And of course, we, we wanted the house that we have for that reason. And of course, when someone comes over, we have to do extra cleaning. And we have to get all the stuff out of the living room that doesn't belong there. And the wash that we just folded and put that away quick. And, and we're running around going, does this look welcoming? Does that look welcoming? And I'm like, oh my gosh, why did we do this? Can we just say we're sick? <laughs> I have a fever. And, and, I, and, and I just don't, I don't like cleaning. I absolutely hate cleaning. It's, it's from the devil. Dust bunnies are from the devil. 
<laughs> I don't like cleaning bathrooms at all, but I do it almost every week. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and, and, and then when the people arrive, we, we, we just welcome them. All the lights are on, especially the lights on the front porch. Come on. And then, and then we have a wonderful time, and, and it's so good, and we connected so well. We got them coffee, and we had food together. And then when they leave, there's this strange thing that goes, we should do that again. And then when we do it again, I'm grumbling. When we get, does that make sense? Some of y'all are the same way, because I don't like to prepare for it. I just want it to happen. (laughs) But listen, hospitality takes some work. And there's not always a lot of people that like the hard work of hospitality to, to get to the reward part. I think that's what I'm saying. Giving, according to the Barna Group research, okay, just, just, Hold on to your seats, grab both handles of, of the seat next to you, or grab the hand of the person next to you if it's your spouse, and I'm just going to go on a little ride here. Um, just pretend you're at Hershey Park. <laughs> According to a Barna Group research report, the amount of Christian adults who practice tithing anymore, um, which is giving 10%, by the way, whether to church or to uh, ministries, is at 5 to 7%, and it's a fast declining process. Uh, practice, by the way. It's at 5 to 7%, and that's fairly current. They actually keep the reports coming out almost every year, and the reports have said the same thing for a couple decades, actually. <clears throat> now, let's run through this real quick. I just want y'all to leave here thinking, actually. A uh, biblical principle that's highlighted in the Old Testament is tithing. It's seen before the law, by the way. It's established as part of the law of Moses, um, but nowadays it's very highly debated. And, and what's, it's not debated that it's a biblical practice. What's highly debated in our culture and, and a lot of churches, it's debated that if it's a New Testament doctrine. Nobody, nobody says it didn't exist in the Bible or it's even a great principle. What they're saying is should it be preached as a New Testament practice? Well, let's go to the New Testament real quick. The New Testament highlights giving, actually. Um, Jesus talks mostly about giving it all. And um, just just sit in the tension for a bit, and I'll I'll release the tension at some point. There's tensions to be managed, all right? Let's just go there. Um, There's the widow that Jesus looked at, and they were just sitting there watching people give at the temple in Mark 12. And says, he said to his disciples, for they all contributed out of their abundance and all these people. But she, this, this poor widow, she out of her poverty has put in everything that she had and all she had to live on. And Jesus was pointing to her as an example what he was actually teaching. Can I pause right there and say every new covenant doctrine is higher than every Old Testament principle. New Testament doctrine, Jesus' teachings, were always higher than Old Testament doctrines, principles. Okay, okay. Just chew on that for a bit, and I'll unpack it some other time. Then he says to his disciples and followers in Luke 6, 38, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He says, given it's gonna be given to you. So he's teaching them something. Given it shall be given to you. Now, he says to the rich young ruler, I want you to chew on all this stuff at the same time. Get a well-rounded meal. (laughs) 
dessert included. To the rich young ruler, he said in Mark 10, and Jesus looked at him. He loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. No wonder everybody's just like, what the heck are we supposed to do, God? (laughs) Then he says to the scribes and the Pharisees at yet a different time. Now, this is to the scribes and Pharisees, and honestly, they were not friends of Jesus Christ at all. They were keepers of the law. Matthew 23, 23, and now Jesus did mention tithing. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you're hypocrites, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, that spices, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, like justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. And he's talking to them, and he's saying, you are keepers of the law, but for some reason you don't keep all the law. You're, you're missing some things. Now, I'm going to pause right there and say, whether you believe in an Old Testament principle of giving 10%, whether it's to Grace Church or the, another church or a ministry, bravo, and it's a biblical principle that can still be practiced today, and Alicia and I still do that. Whether you believe in giving, it doesn't, make, it doesn't put you off the hook because now you have a responsibility as you walk with the Lord and look at all the gifts. Jesus talked about money a lot. He just didn't talk about tithing a lot. Why? Because giving principles that Jesus taught in the New Testament resulted in people forgetting about a tithing message and giving fully into a giving message and suddenly all that they had was available to God for his use. Shall I go back and read the book of Acts? You all remember that from just a few minutes ago? They had land and possessions and stuff. Now, some of you are freaking out right now because this pastor wants all your stuff. I don't want all your stuff. I want you to give God all your stuff. And then when God tells you to give some of your places and spaces and resources to further this ministry, then please do that. And if he starts with tithing, then tithe. But if he starts with another number, then do another number. But it doesn't mean the 90% doesn't also belong to God. Oh, come on, somebody. Put out your big toe so I can step on it. We've gotten a little weird in the church because there's people that give 10% and are still dirt poor because they never manage the 90% well at all. And God is looking at them going, yeah, you kind of missed it, y'all. You kind of you missed the fact that Jesus gave it all. And then he's looking at us and saying, all of you I want as well. Of course you're supposed to care for your family. Please plan a family vacation. Please build a great home for your family. And please drive a car that doesn't break down on the highway. Come on, somebody. But there's not a lot of Christians. Come on. And and if the shoe doesn't fit, don't put it on. I'm going to say that another time probably. But there's not a lot of Christians that want to work with the Holy Spirit to actually hear from him to say, what is my part in today's church? Because we want rules and regulations. Giving culture far exceeds tithing culture. Now, if you believe in a tithing message, then do it with all your heart. But the people that prosper in a tithing culture are those that view tithing as worship and tithing as giving from their hearts, and they do it with joy, and there is a culture of giving. They end up in a culture of giving anyway because they're doing it with the utmost of joy in the Holy Spirit. Does that make sense, somebody? 
But when we stepped out of just a tithing mentality and Alicia and I entered into, we just started to use the word giving. I even went back to my budget and I didn't call it tithe anymore. I called it giving because I said, God is able to use everything that he's given us in some way, shape, or form. God will never tell you to give money that belongs to your family. God also won't tell you to give to Grace Church what belongs somewhere else. God wants you to prosper. Amen, somebody? God wants you to prosper. Y'all hear in my heart? Take a deep breath. I'm going to talk about something else. We won't have a two-hour church service today, I promise. There's there's this guy that's really popular, Mr. Beast, on on YouTube. I don't think he's a Jesus follower. Come on, raise your hand if some of y'all younger ones know who Mr. Beast is. And he, he, yeah? And, And he gives out thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars everywhere he goes. He's so popular on YouTube and people advertise with him and so he rakes in. He's, he's raking in millions and giving millions. He's just raking in the money and so he'll pop up at these random restaurants in the mall, you know, in the cities where he travels and he just finds random people, asks them a few questions and just lands money on them, 30,000 at a time, 50,000 at a time and that's why he's so popular, right? Now here's, here's where we are as Americans, Here's where we are as God-fearing Americans. I hope, that, I hope that Mr. Beast shows up where I'm shopping today and gives me 50 grand. <laughs> I can relate. That'd be fun. Here's my challenge. How many Christians, God-fearing Christians, instead of saying that, say, God, make me like Mr. Beast? See the difference? One of them is a kingdom mentality. And it's sort of strange to me that a, that a person who doesn't know God, at least I don't think he does. That sounds, if that sounds judgmental, I apologize. There's no indication that he has fruits of the Spirit. Okay, But he does know giving. It's strange to me that looking at him is closer to kingdom mentality than what I see in, in some of our lives. Is that too hard of a word? Because he's, he's like saying... Give me more so I can give more. We're like, I just hope that I show up at the right place. You know, where, does, that make, does that make sense? Come on, somebody. Okay. Just chew on that as well. You can view that as dessert. Um, and then it's caring. And Philippians 2, 4 says, look, let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's in Philippians 2, Philippians 2 sorry. <clears throat> and then in Galatians 6, 2, it says, bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. There's a phrase that says this, and I don't actually know who wrote it. I should have looked it up. But they don't, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Did you ever hear that? They're not going to care how much you know, even theologically, until they know how much you care. And it's really, really imperative that we get this in our culture because our culture is watching us very, very carefully. And we have a lot of debates going on, especially in the social media world, where it's like, what kind of Christian are you? Well, I just, I just declare over Grace Church that we are those who, care, first of all, care for you. Whatever state of mind that you're in right now, even if you're living in sin, God cares for you, right? But then once we get that right, then people will care what you know and they will care to hear the freedom message coming from you and the gospeling that comes from you. Because first of all, Jesus said to the Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Why? Because I care for you. You're a a man that I want to spend time with. But guess who changed? Jesus didn't change and become like Zacchaeus, did he? Zacchaeus changed to reflect the nature of the Lord. And that's the kind of stuff that we're called to. Amen, somebody? Here's a few closing thoughts. We have a spiritual horizon and a relational horizon and a business horizon 
to um, look out for. And I was uh, processing this with Pastor Ray. It's just, you know, looking at leading a church like this. And, and, and again, I can't say enough just how excited we are to feel called by God along with all of you. But there's a spiritual rise. And first and foremost, we care about your soul. We care about people's connection to God. That's why we're here. We're a church, right? We care about how you hear God, your connection to God. Then there's, then there's a relational horizon. We can get all that right, but then we don't always get the relational thing right. We care about people connecting well one with another. We care about people loving each other well. And then there's a business horizon. And this is where some pastors go, I ain't talking about that. I just can't deal with that. The business horizon is about provision. Is there a budget for this vision that we want? Hello, somebody. <laughs> God is calling you. <laughs> and then... <laughs> Y'all better answer, because that is definitely Holy Ghost calling you in. <laughs> to give all your money to Grace Church. <laughs> Just because, I'm teasing you. I'm totally, totally teasing you. I don't actually know who it was. The business horizon is what pastors avoid. And I, I guess I'm just coming at you today. There's so much more to talk about, but I just don't want to avoid those topics because it will take finances and it will take resources uh, for the budget and the finance. And, and, and the places and spaces that, that God has asked us to use. Does that make sense to somebody? Here's, here's a final question that I have for you. If the way that you function personally, if, if what you do, would it be okay for everyone to do? Y'all can answer me later. Um, but I want to pause right there so you can think about it. And... Um, if, if the way that you function and the way that you give and the way that you serve and using your resources, if everyone does that, is that okay? We, I'm like, like pausing going, will we even have this place next year? You know, and that, that's what I'm wondering. Um, well, hey, Alicia's going to come join me again, but I want to talk about, would you welcome Alicia back to the stage? Thanks for joining me, hon. I want to talk about invite cards. And what was really cool is um, uh, Emily Bundy and, and her and Carla, her and Carla uh, Gus actually do. Uh, raise your hands, guys. I think you're over here. They're good friends. And they're both fairly new to Grace Church, right? And um, they actually go walking or running. Biking. Biking. They go biking together on the trails. And, um, and, and we had heard some of their stories, especially from Emily just recently, where she was like, we ran into the, a few people and we were, got a chance to pray with them, talk with them, and, and, and share the gospel and invited them to church. And then Emily said, you know, wouldn't it be cool if we had like an invite card, you know, that we could just hand to them with all the times, you know, that we're having church services and our address and things like that or a place to find us on the website. And when we got the email, what she didn't know is that we were planning to share one with you today. Uh, we must have the same Holy Spirit. That's all I can say. It's the same Holy Ghost. And so anyway, I want to talk about, because listen, here, here's a few things. Here's an amazing stat that I just read. 83% of non-churchgoers will attend a church if they're invited in the good old U.S. of A. 83% of church, non-churchgoers will go if someone would invite them. But here's the sad part. Only 2% of the congregations across our nation will actually invite a friend to church this year. Only 2% of people are really into that. Well, anyway, can we break that? <laughs> what does that mean? There's less people invited to church. There's less people that feel like they belong. There's less people understand the importance of Christian community. Why? Simply for one reason and one reason alone, we're, we're afraid to invite and, and so, 
we just want to change that by introducing invite cards. So is it up? Oh, there it is. It's, it's much smaller than that. You won't have to carry that around. It's much smaller than that. It looks like this, and it says you're invited to Grace Church on the one side. The other side, you know, they can scan that and find out where we are, but, at, you know, 10 o'clock. So if you're out biking, if you go to the dollar store, wherever it is that you shop at Macy's or wherever, you know, you say if there's someone that God lays on your heart, don't be weird about it. and Don't get in people's faces if they don't want to hear you. I'm not, I'm not, come on. I could preach so many more messages, but I am limited for time, and we'll save some for next Sunday. <laughs> but I am not into random street preachers that just stand on the corner and yell at people. Is that okay? It's not great for culture, honestly. What is great for culture is this. I see you, and God's given me something to share with you, an encouraging word. You are noticed by God. You are loved by God. And li listen, there's a place where you too can belong. And would you want to join with me? Matter of fact, the other in my card that we saw that, car, uh, that uh, Emily showed, it said, come and sit with me on the other side. Come and sit with me. You know, where we invite people in and say, there's a family that you could belong to. It's much more than, are you saved? And are you going to die in your sin? No, there's a place, and there is a place to tell them the truth. Does that make sense? But come, sit with me, hear the word. And what I promise to you is that if you invite people like this, and we, we, we remain that welcoming culture, that I will, as often as possible, preach the gospel so they have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Is that okay, somebody? Yeah. All right. Here. Some of y'all are going like, <laughs> to There's some. There's some to get started. And by the way, there's many more on yeah, the... That's just what I was going to say. I was going to say, on they, the next step they are out at the Next Step Station. <laughs> so we invite you to take some along and ask the Holy Spirit, show me, show yeah. me one person this week, God, Follow the Lord that, that I should hand this to and, and see what happens. I think that I think we're going to see something pretty cool come out of it. So yeah. there's, a, there's a stack of them out there. So grab a few on your way out. We'd love to have you do that. And it was, a, it was me and Alicia along with Mike and, and, and Nate that actually designed yes. it was a team those. So we have an amazing staff here. That we've been thinking about it for a while yeah. and, uh, and just really worked, awesome, worked on awesome it. Awesome so timing with Emily. Grab them and get them out into the community. What I want you to do, Alicia, yeah. and welcome back to the stage, Thanks. is I want to talk about groups. Because as we talked about this message and using our places and spaces, yeah. you know, for gospeling, right? that um, well, I want Alicia to give you an update on where we're at with groups and encourage some of you because it's really amazing when we take a snapshot of how we're doing now. Mm -hmm. there's, there's really a lot of life in groups Amen. right now and a lot of things happening. Yeah. So give us an update on what's happening. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wearing a lot of hats right now at Grace and one yeah. of the hats I'm wearing is to oversee our groups. And I feel really passionate about groups because our, our culture is so hungry for genuine relationships and connections, and that happens a lot through groups. Yeah. Um, and, and I think most of you are probably aware that we have free market groups now. We've been talking about this on the live stream and things like that. But that basically means that you have the freedom to lead a variety of groups. It doesn't just have to be um, a group talking about the sermon series. I know we, we did that back in the day, but these are free market groups. Currently, we have 12 active groups that are running 18 leaders because sometimes we have co-leaders leading those. That's awesome. And I just wanted to highlight some of the ones that we do have up and running that you can check out. There's still some spots. We have Bibles and book studies. We have sports groups. We have groups geared for men, for moms, for seniors, for prayer. And if you have an interest or a hobby around something in particular, maybe you have a heart to do a book study or a Bible study, whatever it is, um, I guarantee you that there's other people that do too. So again, the sky is the limit for the type of, of group that you can launch or lead or create. Yeah. We're gonna have one coming up that's gonna be baking Christmas cookies. 
And that's going to be a one-time thing. So keep an eye out for that coming. But again, like we, we were talking about on the way here, I thought, wouldn't it be fun to do a corn maze one where we open it up yeah. and families meet up to do a corn maze together. So I think we might launch that this fall yeah, like just it. to have fun together. And what, what I've been sharing with people is as you do groups, even if it's around, let's say, a sport or an activity, you end up having conversations. You ask about each other's life. You end up saying, hey, how, how's that going with your boss? How's that going with your spouse? What's happening with your mom who's in the hospital? And you right. end up doing life together. Share testimonies. And, and sharing Pray testimonies for and praying for each other. So that's the beautiful thing about the, the wide variety is there's life in it, even if it's around, you know, something that seems non-spiritual like a sport. You do end up doing kingdom and talking about God just because that's who you are. Yeah, so I'm going to talk a little bit more. I don't want to go too late. Um, I also wanted to mention that your group, if you're interested in starting, can be targeted to a specific age or stage of life. So maybe you want to do one for just for adults or maybe for college age kids. Maybe you want to do one just for married people or singles or seniors. Mm -hmm. You could even do young, married, and engaged. That's a, that's a great season of life to have discussions about. Yeah. Um, I mentioned this too, but the groups can be a variety of different topics, such as activities and recreation, Bible and book studies. It could be a group about finances. How do we steward our money, our, our money well? Yeah. It could be just geared for friendship and connect, marriage. It could be an online group, outreach, parenting, prayer, recovery and restoration, spiritual growth, support, maybe around sports. So the, I'm just throwing out a bunch of ideas for you. And I would invite you to prayerfully consider and say, God, is this something that you would call me to be a part of and help to lead in this season? And again, what is my part to play in the Grace Church family? And leading a group is a great way to do that. I mentioned the cookie baking one that's coming up. That's just going to be a one-time deal. But then yeah, we have groups fun. that maybe will go for half a year. Some will go for three months. Some are going for six weeks. And some are long-running groups. I know like Barry Diamond literally has had his group for 20 years. I think <laughs> it is something like, like forever, which is amazing. We have women's groups that have been long-running. Yeah, that's beautiful. <laughs> And so there, there is like a wide array of options for groups. They can be anything from a one-time event to a long-running group. Yep. Um, so there's lots of freedom in that. You can partner with someone if you want a co-leader. You could do it with your spouse. You could do it with a friend. You can meet in your home. You could meet in parks. You could meet in a cafe. We have groups that meet here. So yeah. again, lots of options for leading groups and where that could happen. I would love to see more family-style groups where you have families meeting with families or couples meeting with couples yeah, that'd be and, good. and you're just meeting in your living room you're talking maybe doing a little bit of worship you're praying for each other maybe the kids are running around screaming and having fun uh, but I would love to see more of those so if you have a heart for that come hit me up that'd be amazing oops doing anything to that um so if if you have any questions you can hit me up in person if you go on our website as well, I think it's under the next steps tab, you'll see a button that says groups. If you click on that, it'll list a bunch of this information. Um, and there's a form at the bottom where you can click and say, yes, I am actively involved in Grace Church and I would like to launch a group. You click that button and there's a whole form to fill out. Yeah. So I think that's all I have. Yeah, thank you so much. Yay, God. Can we celebrate what God is doing? I don't know if you mentioned it, but we have 101 yes, people. Yes, I missed that. 101. It's 101. We have 101 people right now signed up for groups and attending groups in Grace Church, and that's a nice amount, you know, so, yeah, amen. Yeah, thank you. So, you know, God, God is moving, and God is really helping us to connect well with each other. Well, hey, stand with me, all of you beautiful, beautiful people. Stand up. John, John 3.3 3 says, 
this, as Jesus answered him, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in Acts 16, 31, we read, and they said, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. That's really what it takes, guys. And that's how you launch this relationship with Jesus Christ that we are evangelizing everyone with, right? The gospeling and the good news is you can call upon the name of the Lord and receive your salvation and from there be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and get on fire and join in, you know, what we call the family at Grace Church and, or wherever it is you feel called to connect. But listen, I want to pause for just a moment before we go further and I want you to have an opportunity to launch a relationship with Jesus Christ if you haven't yet done so. Could we pause and just everyone close our eyes for just a moment? And what this does is simply gives you a, a, just a little bit of personal space where you're not worried about the person next to you. I would, I would not want you to leave here if you just don't know if Jesus Christ is your Lord and you haven't really chosen to follow him in all his will and all his ways. What we could do is simply pray for you and help you launch that. Having said that, if you're here today and you would like us just to pray a prayer with you, we're going to pray with you all together. Would you shoot your hand up in the air and say, that's me. I would like to pray that prayer today. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else? You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, hey, let's all pray together and say, Father God, I repent of all my sins. Jesus Christ, I accept your full and complete forgiveness. Holy Spirit, empower me to live according to God's will and God's ways. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's celebrate those who said yes to Jesus. If you're online and you said yes to Jesus, I'd love for you to type that in and we'd be praying for you as well. If you said yes to Jesus, we have a book called Following Jesus. We'd love to give you. If you stop by the Next Step station, let us know who you are. We'll give you that book just to help you launch a vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you're new to Grace Church, what we'd love for you to do, one, or one of two things, stop by the Next Step station. Let us know a little bit about you, how we can walk with you, pray with you, give us some contact information. We won't show up at your house, I promise, but we will pray for you. Or you can scan that barcode in front of you, the QR code with your smartphone, and it'll take you to what's called well, it'll take you to a variety of things, but it can take you to the Connect card from there as well. Let us know how we can walk with you. Listen, after we worship one more time and close out this service, we always want to pray with you if you would like us to do so. It doesn't have to do with anything that I just preached, but if it does, you're like, man, I feel convicted. I want to get close to the Lord, and I want to hear God for what he wants to do with my life, how he wants to use my places and spaces and resources, or if there's something else going on, we would love to just join with you in prayer. We're not in a hurry to get out of here, even if some of you are. We will stay around for a while. Lunch can wait. We want to gather with you and declare something over you. Pray for something to break off. If you need healing, let us pray for you. Amen, somebody. Are you ready to worship one more time? Me too. Thank you, guys. We love you so much.